sometimes a little more my bloody podcast <laughs> hello everyone welcome to another edition of my bloody podcast your hopefully go-to horror podcast where we talk about everything horror going on in entertainment I'm your host this week, Brian Kluger. My co-host has uh, been leading the charge lately, and so I uh, figured I'd step back in and give it a shot. So here I am, Preston Barta of Ditton Record Chronicle and FreshFiction.tv, and of course I have already mentioned the wonderful and great Brian Kluger of Boomstick Comics and High Def Digest. He's also a Best Villain Award winner, so... That is going to be on his tombstone, as I've mentioned before. But, you know, each week we uh, start start off by mentioning, like, what episode we're on. I'm sure there's going to be a point where we don't do that anymore. But this week, it's uh, I guess it, you can consider it like a, a modest milestone of it being 40 episodes in. And it feels like we've been doing it for a year. And um, I feel like each week we're getting better and better and uh, knowing what to talk about and how to narrow it down. And I'm just excited. I look forward to it every week. And I'm very excited about this week in particular because we're talking about a movie that means a, a lot to me. And that is 1996, The Craft. And uh, so we have that to talk about in our feature as our feature presentation. And then we have horror news to get through and there's a lot of good stuff in there uh of course we have our bloody question of the week and our bloody recommendations so full slot of shit going on here so we're very excited and uh how are you brian i'm doing well and you you are leading the charge very well with that sword and axe and chainsaw in your hands i like it all all my witchcraft books i'm prepared you are prepared you're always preparing let's just go let's just go uh but yeah everything's good there's got lots of good horror stuff we get to talk about this week and uh yeah it's just it's always fun to talk to you and we must we must mention uh, in a in a few weeks we're going to talk about i would say sort of a horror movie that we just saw this past week um, yes called climax we're going to talk about that in a few weeks when closer to its release date but press and i sat together hand in hand and uh <laughs> we can't wait to talk to you about it yeah, so I guess now the release date has been bumped up to March fifteenth in the in the t- Texas area. I'm not sure about it anywhere else, but I did uh, find out that Arrow Video released it already in uh, the UK, and so I looked up on Amazon and changed it to UK, and so there was two left. So I ordered that sucker. So really, I can get it. Yeah. So hopefully I can get it next week. I just like the idea of owning an Arrow version of Climax. Um, you do have to have a region-free Blu-ray player, which I have. And so um, I'm stoked because it's got like uh, Gaspar Noe, the director, has a commentary on it. And there's some extras. And so um, it's exciting that you can just get something like that um, if you have access to a region-free Blu-ray player and are uh, a horror nut. So, um, yeah. That's awesome. I'm, that's, I want one now. I wonder if there's another one left. (laughs) 
get on it. <laughs> I'll, I'll talk about something and then you can uh, Google it. Sweet, sweet. Um, yeah, so we got, we got news coming up. What, what, what horror news do we have to talk about today? Yeah, there's a lot this week. Um, um, the one that really excites me, it's a little further down our, our, our show notes that we created for ourselves, but uh, it's one that really excited me because immediately as I heard the news, I was like, God, I really want to talk about this um, because I've been uh, wondering and been very curious as to who they were going to cast as the titular ta- Candyman in uh, Jordan Peele's uh, new reboot or reboot And uh, if you saw back in December uh, Aquaman, uh, which you should have because that movie's a lot of fun, uh, there was one villain in that movie. His name was Black Manta. And the gentleman who portrayed him is going to be our new Candyman. And uh, his name is uh, Yahya, uh, what is it? Yahya Abdul Mateen II. Um, and I think he is going to knock it out of the park as him. Of course, Tony Todd will always be Candyman to me. There's, there's no way to get around, or no way to recapture that sinister element that he brings, that sinister presence that he brings to the screen, as well as he did, um, and especially his voice. Um, this this past week on Twitter, somebody. Uh, made a joke about how if somebody should turn Sam Elliott's voice into a blanket. And I think if you turn Tony Todd's voice into a blanket, it it wouldn't even be a blanket. It would just be a fucking straight jacket or something. (laughs) It's just so terrifying. So I, I, uh, I'm really interested in what the voice work from, uh, Mateen's going to be like, but I think he'll wear the jacket well and the hook well. So, I'm super excited about that news. Yeah, I wonder that? how different they'll make him in this reboot since, you know, uh, like if he's going to like basically recreate Tony Todd's version of it or if he's going to do something all of his own. Yeah, you know, you know, when we reviewed Candyman, um, there was we talked about a lot of the great things and we briefly mentioned some of the things that it has issues with but one of the things that we we loved so much about it was that you know tony todd developed this backstory that they incorporated into the story and so i i hope that they do bring that element or that aspect to the film in some in some way but um uh it i i think with jordan peele uh in the producer's chair i really think that it, it'll be just as good, if not better. Cool, cool. Yeah, I can't wait to see like some footage of uh, Yaya being Candyman. Abdul Mateen the second. Yeah. yeah, I heard that when Aquaman came out and they had it on the radio, they mentioned his name, and I was like, "Wait, who was that?" So I, I think now we'll probably know his name. Cool, cool. No, that sounds good to me. I, 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 I hope it will be good. So. Yep. Very cool. Uh, All right. On to on to we have to talk about this. We we we've mentioned it before. Critters, Critters yeah. has a new movie coming out, a reboot of sorts, and they just released uh, images and the first trailer for the film. And 
if you like, if you know me, I love Critters. I love the first movie. I like the second, third movie, and now they're remaking it. I believe if it's a is it sci-fi? Is that or no? I'm trying to remember. See, I I believe that this is something entirely different. Um, this is being developed exclusively for Shutter. So there's this new series coming out next month, March, I think March 21st or something like that, um, called Critters, the New Binge. Or is it? Yeah, because it's not New a, Batch. Yeah, a new binge, yeah. yes. There you go. Um, so yeah, this one's exclusively for Shutter. The one that we were talking about uh, is for sci-fi. So I kind of like the Chucky uh, franchise. They're developing a Chucky series and a Chucky movie, but one does not deal with the other. And so they're completely separate from my knowledge. So the Critters movie that's being developed by Sci-Fi, uh, I believe just started production last month in January. Um, so yeah, this is this one is just getting the early jump. All right, so yeah, I guess this is a an eight episode uh, series that will be on Shutter exclusively, I believe, starting March twenty first, very soon. But they released this trailer, and it looks super silly, Gremlins two style, um, and it also, I mean, I'm excited that it has Gilbert Gottfried in it, but it also has Thomas Lennon from like. Oh Rino my Lennon. God! What are all these critters doing? Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, do that. I hope it's like that, um, but I mean, it looks. It looks so bad, but like I mean, like the puppets. Like I'm glad they're doing like actual, not CG uh, critters. Are doing like uh, like practical. So they look kind of cool, but like all the some of the critters are in tuxes in the movie. Some have eye patches. Yeah. Some are cyborgs. Like it looks like a critters <laughs> too, but critters. Um, oh, I don't know what to think about this. I mean, I want to watch it, but I'm just like, oh, this is a huge piece of shit, and. <laughs> I don't know. It, this will not make me buy Shutter for this. I'll tell you that. You don't have Shutter? I do actually I do not have Shutter. I I have the app downloaded, but I have not actually purchased the entire like the whole thing. Yeah. Um so yeah, I I completely agree with you. It does not look particularly good. However, I still want to give it a shot just cuz I don't know. It caught me at a at a time where I was just like in a funky mood, uh, where I'm like, you know what, fuck it, just uh, send it my way. Uh, I don't care how ridiculous it's going to be. Critters was n- never a series that was very important to me and has meant a lot to me, and so uh, I don't care. So it can it can be ridiculous. It can be dumb. I, the the Critters series in general is very silly and dumb but this <laughs> this uh is taking it to a whole new level i totally agree with it the gremlins 2 comparison um so uh you have this um i think it looks okay i know you mentioned the the practical effects which is very good that there's at least some continuity there um <clears throat> and it has a decent cast uh well you mentioned Gilbert Godfrey, but uh, what's his name? Uh, Jack Lennon? Yeah, the guy Thomas from Lennon. Reno Thomas, Thomas Lennon, Lennon yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I like him a lot. I really liked him in, uh, uh, most recently in The Littlest Reich, um, Puppet Master. And so, uh, yeah, I'm going to give it a fair chance for it to 
just be entertaining and enjoyable. And so uh, I, I'm okay with it. And do you if have Shutter? Uh, I do not. Okay. But I've been meaning to get it, um, especially because um, there's some great documentaries on there that I've heard about. Um, and we mentioned on the show a couple of weeks about weeks ago about horror noir. Um, and so that's one I've been wanting to watch. So, uh, yeah, I, I need to get it and it's not that expensive at all. I think it's like $5. So I, I'm, I'll bite the bullet and get it. So, uh, I plan to do that pretty soon. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I really do. I mean, half of me wants to watch the, I mean, I want to watch this show and I don't want to watch this show, but I guess. Yeah, I feel you. Well, if it's uh, total shit, we still have the movie to look forward to. True, that that's very true. So uh, I'm excited about that. Um, yeah, cool. Critters coming soon, March 21st. We'll definitely update you on that. Uh, what other news we got today? Uh, we have the official rating of Hellboy. Um, the tra- first trailer uh, released not too long ago, and um, I can't remember if it was a rated R trailer or not. Uh, I think it wasn't, but it had some cuss words in it, and so I was kind of thrown for a loop that it was going to be uh, uh, that they were going to include language into to, uh, like a PG rated trailer. But um, it's officially rated R, um, which is which is good because the Del Toro ones were not rated R. But um, so this is its chance to be different. But I hope. Um, cause there's going to be a new trailer that releases, is it tonight? Yes, it is tonight. I've been getting emails all day about, Oh, tonight. <laughs> okay. So yeah. Uh, Thursday, what is it? The 28th? I, I can't even remember what date it is. 27th? It's the 28th. It's the 28th. All right. Last day of February. So, there you go. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I hope, I hope that, um, because it's rated R, it doesn't feel like it decided to be so last minute. You know, when you watch a movie and they just throw in a bunch of f bombs and uh, senseless violence without really having much going on to like earn it. So I hope that it has. Uh, I don't know how to really articulate it, but I, I really hope it just has it sticks, like it, it like earns it. And so, um, I haven't, as I've mentioned, when the first trailer came out, I haven't been too hot on this movie, but because um, I'm still kind of butt hurt that it's not Del Toro doing it. <laughs> but Neil Marshall but, is badass, though. Yeah, I like the descent, and so I, you know, just like Critters, I'm gonna give it a fair chance. But um, I'm. This one, this series means more to me, and so this one, I'm a little more uh, apprehensive. No, I, I mean, I think like with David Harbour being Hellboy, Mia Jovovich, Ian McShane, Daniel Day Kim, uh, I mean, the hell of a cast. And I like the first trailer for like kind of like almost like has mixed like the dark humor and like the hellish world that it's in, but. Now that it's going to be rated R for strong, bloody violence and gore throughout in language, I'm just like, okay, yes, please, let's do this. So yeah, I, don't, I don't know. The humor felt more desperate to me in the trailer, but uh, maybe my uh, it'll turn completely around for me when this new trailer drops, which I expect that we'll comment on next week. Right. No, I'm, uh, I'm excited about it for sure. 
Very much so. So yeah, we'll we'll all see what the trailer does now, and may, hopefully we'll get that rated R trailer of blood and guts. Yeah, um, we also have an it themed Monopoly and Clue coming to stores. Uh, tell me a little bit about this. Um, so I guess you know since the whole uh, success of the recent it and Stephen King. Uh, the company is making an it-themed Clue and Monopoly board, which uh, kind of sounds really cool. Um, it'll be based on the movie, and the Clue will do its classic mystery thing, um, shrouded uh, or through uh, the kids in the game, and you're going to have to figure out what's going on uh, in uh, Clue, which is quite cool. In Monopoly, uh, you'll be selling and trading and buying places around Derry, Maine, <laughs> which is quite cool. And some of the uh, pieces you can be are like an inhaler, a paper boat, a bicycler, uh, and then there are encounters and phenomena cards. So, uh, it actually sounds pretty cool. Um, I'd actually want to kind of play this. I'm glad horror is kind of making its way mainstream into the board games. But interestingly enough, Monopoly and Clue, these it versions are for ages 17 and older. So Ooh. I would imagine there's quite a bit of a horror element and gore and stuff into them. So, uh, and I wonder if it's 17 and up just because, like, the movie's rated R. But uh, I'm not sure. But these will be out in March, so this coming month, uh, which I think – well, actually, Monopoly will be available later this year, but Clue will be available in March. But, I mean, I'm definitely down to play this. Do you play uh, board games? Uh, I do. Um my wife's grandmother was huge into Monopoly. And um, this past weekend, we went over to her house because, unfortunately, she did pass away over Christmas. And so me and her entire family have been going through her stuff. And she collected just, like, every different version of Monopoly. And we have a few of them, including, like, an original one. And so I know my this is like a great um, meeting in the middle for my wife and I, because I'm a huge fan of horror and this, and she likes monopoly and board games. So this, this, uh, this is very exciting news for, for me. And um, I don't world's own, coming I, together, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is there any other type? I, I don't, I haven't really paid attention very well to see if there's any other, has anything else happened like this before? Uh, is there like Friday the 13th Nightmare on Elm Street versions or anything like that? You know, I'm as on the top of my head, I'm actually looking right now. I can't remember where a Friday the 13th or Nightmare on Elm Street or Halloween, something like that, have been incorporated into like Monopoly or Clue. Of course, they have their own like card games or board games, but nothing like with Monopoly or Clue that I can guess right now. Right. Okay. Well, maybe if this is successful, uh, we'll see more horror franchises making their way into it. But I, I totally understand why it would be the first one to kind of do it. But um, that I'm a, I really love Clue. So just imagining like what a 17 or older version of that would be like. And I imagine it's just because the movie's rated R and maybe the 
the thematic material of the movie. <clears throat> we filtering its way through Clue is probably too much for kids, though. So, um, I don't imagine it's going to have like any like cuss words or anything like that. Maybe like uh, uh, Colonel Sanders got his arm bitten off or something. I don't know. <laughs> Not Colonel, Colonel Sanders. Colonel Mustard. Man, Colonel Mustard. That would be great. I would like that. <laughs> that would be Colonel fun. Sanders. I haven't played Clue in a long fucking time. I mean, I've played Monopoly here and there, but like it's been a long time since I've played Clue. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, yeah. playing that in the house and in dairy. So uh, yeah, let's get more of that. Let's. Oh my god, can you imagine? It was it was Georgie in the well with the. Bone saw. I don't know. <laughs> the bone saw. I like this. No, yeah, that that would be great. I think this is like a a a bloody question upcoming. <laughs> I feel like. Yeah. What what horror movie should be uh we should a board be game. a board game? Yeah. All right. Next, we have AMC is developing a third Walking Dead universe series. Um, as our listeners probably know by now, I'm not a big fan of the walking dead but i know you are brian so uh maybe you have i don't know maybe you care a little bit more about sharing the latest news about this well okay so i am still with the walking dead i've been watching it and you know spoiler alerts for people who have not watched it this past season the time has jumped many years into the future so like rick grimes young little baby is now like grown up and it's hmm. it's just taken a turn for like oh god where are we going with this just fucking end already and then you have fear the walking dead which i think right now is the far superior show which fear the walking dead takes place as the zombie outbreak just happened like even like when everything was okay and then when it happened because walking dead takes place you know after everything's done and gone and there's only a few survivors left um so now AMC, which is just trying anything to capitalize on this, you know, oversaturated zombie market in doing yet another spinoff series um, of The Walking Dead, which uh, nothing is known right now, but th- what they say, AMC says, is that they are at a stage where they're announcing plans for it to premiere and that it the third this third show based or in, in the Walking Dead universe is definitely in development and they feel good about it. So I guess since I mean it's it's interesting to see where they would go with it, you know, it, because so many people have left the show actor-wise, showrunner-wise and even audience-wise. So if they don't come in with something like new, you know that the, to get this zombie genre kind of reinvigorated and started again, I just don't see why they should put money into this right now. So, but you yeah. can expect yet another Walking Dead universe series on AMC, which you know I'm fine with because I still enjoy Walking Dead, but it's. It's nowhere near where it used to be, and just because there's just so there was so many problems with production on this, and but it looks like AMC's definitely not uh, stopping production on any zombiness right now. So uh, yeah, I don't know. I I just I would 
imagine just people are just like fed up with it unless they really go a very different route instead of like, oh, this is like far into the future, like, you know, a hundred years into the future, or if they're just decide to follow another band of survivors somewhere and it would be the same thing. So I don't know. I hope they do something good with it. So yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe uh, some like total recall, like they're colonizing on a different planet and like one of the zombies makes its way into, you know, life finds a way <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Zombie uh, destroys life on on their next on their next planet. Being like you can't escape death. Well, I mean, I would. I mean, zombies, space type of thing. I mean, I guess that could be fun because it would bring up a lot of new elements, like being in space. But how long? But yeah, would like what 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 would a zombie be like? In, without gravity. <laughs> <laughs> it would be like that little DVD insignia on like your Blu-ray menu screen when you pause it. It just like bounces off the corners of the TV. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I feel like that's exactly what it would like, be like. Just, I mean, there's like ways that you could create some, a really tense sequence where like maybe somebody's like uh, strapped into something. They can't get themselves loose and it's just a head of a zombie that's like floating around and you're like trying to like kick it away and then it'll just like land and there's just like yeah it sounds dumb but maybe they could do something that that, that sounds that sounds quite fun um oh yeah so yeah well, we should be well, like filmmakers or something i don't know i know we should we should we have good goddamn ideas <laughs> Uh, all right. Uh, so yes, if you're interested in any of that, be stay tuned on my bloody podcast because we'll probably update you with more Walking Dead stuff. Um, but another another uh, piece of news we have, which I'm very very excited about, uh, is Ari Aster's upcoming new folk horror film called midsomar and you know he did our favorite film ever um hereditary basically and uh this is his second film and there's new news about this uh such as they've been teasing it with posters and images uh what do you think about this preston what do you think about this movie midsomar um yeah as you mentioned hereditary uh was a excellent movie and um I think we mentioned with Ari Aster's approach uh, to to filmmaking that he just seems like somebody who's been in the business for a long time, yet um, that was just like his first movie. And so this being a second movie, which is also with A24 in a horror film, and still kind of dealing with idea of cults um, in a great cast this time, we have uh, Jack Rayner. Um, he, he was in a very terrible Transformers movie, but he was also in uh, Free Fire, another A24 movie, in Sing Street. And so I really like him a lot. And Will Poulter, um, Florence Pugh. Um, so really good cast. And I, I like the idea of it taking place at a midsummer festival and chaos just breaking out and not and things not turning out the way that they expected and being extremely violent. It's uh, climax being that way, the movie climax. And so uh, I love that sort of scenario. So uh, 
completely there. August. Yeah, August 9th. And like the log line is like this couple travels to Sweden to visit their friend's rural hometown for this festival. And what begins as like a nice and sweet retreat quickly devolves into an increasingly violent and bizarre competition at the hands of a pagan cult, which, oh my goodness. <laughs> I, I, oh yes. All, all the yeses to this. And yeah, hope, he, hope payment shows up. Yeah. Pay. Oh my gosh. It's, it, this the the poster and you look at it and you're like oh this looks like a beautiful movie and if you know anything <laughs> about this like even like the clouds that are in the background of this poster and everything I just oh I just uh, I, I want to see this so bad uh, they might people might think it's a Midsummer Night's Dream or something I can only hope for that that they're going to this thinking that and then I can already see headlines now Midsummer Night nightmare or something <laughs> midsummer night's nightmare no yeah. i'm a, i'm excited about this and uh leading into um into the next little bit of news here do you you're going to south by next week uh correct will this be playing in the horror section of south by and if not what horror stuff are you definitely seeing it South by next week? God, I really hope so. Um, you know, each year they do a uh, last minute ad or a secret screening of some sort. And sometimes they've been great or sometimes they've been really big. I know like one year they did one of the Fast and Furious movies, maybe Furious 7 or something. Um, and then they did train spotting and brought in Danny Boyle. And so um, – there's a possibility an A24 doesn't have a huge presence at all at South by, which is super surprising because last year we had a lot of great movies that played there, including hereditary and, uh, eighth grade and other films such as that, um, lean on Pete. So, uh, I think it'd be very fitting if they were able to do that because horror does have a big presence this year. At South by, uh, I just released an article on Denton Record Chronicle about how horror is bookending the festival with it uh, opening the opening night film being Jordan Peele's Us, and then the closing night film being the 2019 remake of Pet Cemetery. Um, so those are two films I'm definitely going to be there for. And uh, there's also the Curse of Le Yorna. Ye, le Yeorna. Okay, there we go. Um, <laughs> which is coming from uh, Warner Bros, I believe, and uh, has uh, what's her name? I'm blanking on it. She's from Freaks and Geeks. She was just most recently Linda Cardellini. Yeah, Linda. Right. Yeah, from from Freaks and Geeks. Yes. Yeah. So she's going to be in it, and it's going to. It. I don't know if you've seen the trailer for this, but it's coming out and uh, later late april and it looks pretty good uh james wan is the producer and uh it seems to be kind of being like cut from the same cloth as uh the conjuring series in terms of that that style of scares but you're dealing with a different culture and, and a different uh mythology so um i'm i'm excited for it so that's going to be the one of the, one of the last days of the film festival so there's that. Uh, Joe Hill, uh, son of Stephen King, his TV show, um, or I guess I should say, and that the series 
television series adaptation of his book uh, Nosferatu, but spelled out in a very millennial way, like a license plate, um, is also going to be playing at the festival, and it it's going to be on AMC, and it has Zachary Quinto in it. Um, I haven't watched. I don't think there's any material out for it other than like information on the story. If you've read, if you've even read Joe Hill's book, but uh, I'm I'm uh, separating or not looking too much into the what it's all about because I want to. I definitely want to see this, and so I. That's what's exciting about going to film festivals is just not knowing too much information and just being blown away with the rest of the audience and so yeah i think think that's it i may be free there's a lot of there's the midnight section of the festival isn't super exciting but they did release a trailer just today for one of the midnight movies called snatchers that sounds pornographic uh yeah um so it's uh (laughs) It's uh, about these these girls. Uh, one of them winds up pregnant and uh, delivers a alien monster thing. And so uh, there you go, Snatchers. But yeah, uh, the tra- you should watch the trailer. The trailer's quite funny. It has a nice energy to it, um, like kind of like a meta level uh, type of humor. So um, I'm kind of kind of excited about that one, and then there's Body of Brighton Rock. So um, you're going to be seeing yeah, a lot there, of horror there, movies. There's some man. good stuff there. Yeah, yeah, they have a lot of they have a lot of stuff there, and so yeah, I, I'm very hopeful that Midsummer will make its way there. God, I hope so. I hope so. Um, is there any new horror home video uh, releases coming out that was released this past week? I know a couple from Scream Factory, and I think we got one from uh, Arrow and MVD, I believe, right? Yeah. Um, so we we may want uh, end up reviewing some of these uh, down the line, but um, we had maybe brought up that they're releasing California, which is coming out next week. Right. Um, that's the the Brad Pitt and Juliette Lewis, uh, Dylan McDermott, David Duchovny, whatever. Yeah, David Duchovny. <laughs> <laughs> um, I always think of the SNL skit. There's like, there's only like two on there, but uh, Dermot Maroney, Dylan McDermott, and David Duchovny. Duchovny like yes. they, they might as well all be the same actor. It's tr- very true. So David Duchovny's in it, but uh, yeah, that movie came out in the '90s. It's uh, fairly good. Um, so uh, yeah, Shout Select is putting that out, and uh, what else? What else was there? There, yeah, Arrow has a couple of stuff. I'm trying to remember what the name of it was. It Colobos. Yeah, there was Colobos, but the one I really wanted is called Strip Nude for Your Killer. For Your Killer, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the title alone has you hooked. Yes, it does. Um, yeah, I didn't ask for that one, but... Uh, oh, I definitely asked for that one. You know me. Yeah, I watched the trailer, and I was just like, um, I I don't think I could justify owning that movie. <laughs> 
it's going to be so good. Um, yes, it is. And then uh, I guess what else? The you said the body snatcher, and then the legend of seven golden vampires, which I actually have on yeah. vinyl, old original soundtrack. Interesting. Very enough. cool. So that will be pretty cool. Um, and then the last bit of news, I believe, uh, Mondo. Uh, mondotees.com they are releasing another john carpenter soundtrack on vinyl which will be prince of darkness uh yes. very soon so we're gonna hope to get a copy of that and be able to talk about it with you guys and girls and ghouls and goblins about that but yeah it looks really cool um i'm i'm excited for this this is actually one of the, I think the only John Carpenter movies I do not own on soundtrack vinyl yet, so I'm very excited about this. Yeah, me too. I really like that score. Yeah, it is it is pretty good. So yeah, Prince of Darkness, damn good movie, uh, and a an interesting, different kind of John Carpenter film too. So uh, yeah, well, I'm into that. Uh, any other news? Um, I think that's it. Okay, should we do bloody questions? Absolutely. Oh my god. So you came up with an amazing question this week. What was it? So um <clears throat> our feature presentation today, our feature film to that we're discussing today is the craft. Um and I picked this question for two reasons. Um one I wanted to do something that kind of tied into come up with a question that tied into the themes of the film um so hallucinations dreams and so i thought about like what movie that what horror movie you've watched have you watched where it just spawned the worst nightmare and like what it was about what what happened in that nightmare and so i'll start because this is the second reason why i picked it it is because of the craft. <laughs> so I saw this movie. I my my aunt, um, who I pretty much watched a lot of the '90s slasher films with. I watched Scream with her, and uh, and she went through a phase where she used to dress like a lot of the characters from the craft. Um, it wasn't called goth yet, but it. it it, they just seemed like people who were really into the cure. <laughs> and so <clears throat> they're still going strong. Yeah, they're still going strong. Um, so, uh, yeah, my, my aunt had this on and we were watching it and I watched it with her many times. And the movie just like seeped its way into my, into my consciousness and uh, gave me one of the most memorable nightmares I ever had. And it's one that I, I, yeah, I still remember today, but I think I, I might've been six or so when, when I started having the nightmare and I had it a couple of times. And so it, it was about, cause the movie's largely about snakes. It has a lot of snakes in it. Um, it, it does, it I, does have snakes in it for sure. Yeah. Um, and a lot of snakes, especially by the end of the movie. And so the the nightmare that I had was me holding my mom's head, who was still alive. So kind of like Inception, where you're like, you don't realize that it was strange until you're out of the dream. So it seems very normal that your 
mom's head would still be alive and talking to you. Yeah. Uh, like reanimator. And so I was holding my mom's head. We, we were living in our, uh, trailer that we were living at when I was very young. And, um, <clears throat> and I just remember snakes being everywhere and I'm just like horrified screaming and I'm trying to protect my mom whose, uh, head was de- decapitated by, I think like an anaconda or something. And so I'm trying to keep her alive and trying to find help. And I run outside and then, uh, the, the amount of snakes, it's like turning into a sea. They're just everywhere. And so it's just getting higher and higher. And then I'm like having like a final, final words with my mom as we're, as she's all hope is lost. And then I would just remember a snake just coming up and finally biting me in the neck and then dying and then waking up. So, um, yeah, it was a very disturbing dream that scarred me for life. So thank you to The Craft. Thank you to The Craft. And uh, it's interesting because in the movie The Craft, which we'll talk about a little later, there is like a scene where one of the characters has an hallucination with snakes on her skin coming out of her skin. So... uh, coming out of her hands yes so uh very interesting there um yeah that's a good that's a good nightmare um mine would have to be uh lamberto bava's demons i was fairly young when i watched this uh i was about 12 uh it was a few years after it came out and uh, I was scared for very many, many, many years from this movie. Even though when you watch the movie nowadays, it's kind of like it's 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 an '80s movie, but it's it's pretty scary. Uh, but I had so such bad nightmares from this movie, specifically when the prostitute in the movie theater bathroom turned into the demon, and you saw like her teeth fall out of her bloody gums. And it, they became sharp teeth, and her eyes turning into the demon-like eyes. And I always, I always, my nightmares was always being trapped in the bathroom with her, and then running out, seeing all the rest of the people, demons, not being able to get out of the movie theater, and all those teeth sinking into me and clawing me and pulling out my intestines. I, I still get chills thinking about that, and I wake up and I'm like, oh, God. And then I'm just like, that was awesome! Uh, Because I like nightmares. I have this proclivity to have nightmares and I enjoy them uh, once I know they're not real. But that movie gave me bad nightmares. And I would have to... Yeah, that that would be the number one movie. That movie really fucked me up. (laughs) So... That is that is mine for sure. But we asked this question on Reddit in the horror uh, subreddit, and we got quite a bit of answers. And interestingly enough, a lot of people talked about having sleep paralysis uh, in this. And I know, Preston, you've dealt with sleep paralysis. Have you read any of these comments talking about it? I was hoping you'd get on the boards here and talk to them about what you had, too. I, I haven't, so I'm looking forward to what they had to say. So uh, let's 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 go on here. Let's uh, our our top comment is uh, Jern Jism, <laughs> um, who said Zelda from Pet Cemetery is still one of the most horrifying things ever. Just rewatched it and still had some bad dreams at 30 years old. I'm curious to see the new movie and how Zelda turns out. She's not even in it, huh? 
I've heard she's not even in it. In the new one? Yeah, I don't think so. No, that's crazy. Hope not, but you know, we'll see. Yeah, so no, I totally get that because I remember watching Pet Cemetery at a young age too, and that scene is just I just had to go hide behind the wall because that was too freaky. Um Drago Dragoniata says, I saw child's play when I was like five, and I had nightmares about my toys coming alive and trying to kill me for years. I had sleep paralysis too. It was awful. Uh, that sounds like me. Yep. So, uh, I mean, did you ever have a uh, sleep paralysis episode where, like, your toys came alive and killed you? Because that sounds fucking, that sounds terrifying. No, mine is, mine are always about some kind of demonic entity. It's, uh, if, if you saw The Nightmare, that documentary, um, a lot of people see, like, shadows, like, just some kind of presence that feels evil. Um, so I would always see that or (laughs) the most recent one that I've had, and it was a couple of weeks ago and I bought don't knock twice at at half price books. And so the, the hand that's on the cover, you know, it's a witch and the, for, for how thin the fingers are and the hand is, uh, that's what I saw in my dreams. So because of looking at that cover, it gave me nightmares, and uh, so that's usually what I see. I like see some kind of shadowy figure, or something kind of like thin and like like Slender Man or something, and so that's usually what I see. I, I never had one about uh, toys. I've had plenty of nightmares about toys, but not a sleep paralysis episode. Now, when you wake up from your sleep paralysis episode, do you wake your wife up and tell her about it, or do you just go back to sleep and like, thank God that wasn't real? No, she's usually the one that wakes me up because uh, I was also had a lot of seizures when I was a kid. So oh, yeah, I'm right. I'm seizing, I'm uh, shaking, and so she, and I don't know if because a lot of it is like you you're aware that you're in the dream, and you're trying to get somebody else to wake you up. So that could be the case, and so I'm usually seizing, and then she wakes me up, and then I'm just like I'm 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 sorry <laughs> that that happened. And, and that's it. And, um, but yeah, then I then I tell her about it. Right. Um, and so to Dragon Niata's, uh answer, I replied. I was like, true story about Child's Play. I saw the movie when it came out in theaters. I was I was very young. That same night, a bed spring popped in my trundle bed, and I thought it was Chucky. I didn't sleep in my room for a week or two. <laughs> so that actually happened. Uh, uh, but yeah, Dragon Niata asked about our show, and I told him that you can find us on iTunes and Stitcher Radio and Google Play and all that good stuff. So thank cool. you, Dragon Niata. Um, also, Function underscore Function uh, mentioned Mars Attacks, to which my response was, was it Jack Nicholson being president? And he responded, ha no, but the sight of those big brain uh, monstrosities zapping people into skellies gave me nightmares for days as a kid. And I guess if you saw that movie like as a young kid, that could be kind of terrifying because those those kind of like yeah. those skeleton monster green aliens kind of look crazy. Yeah, or or the sight of like somebody's head being on top of a dog. Yeah, that's like true. Like a chihuahua, like Pierce Brosnan's head on a chihuahua. Right. Um, also, Cryptic 3 says the original miniseries version of Stephen King's It. 
He saw it around uh, when he was 10 years old, and he couldn't close his eyes in the shower for easily six years. <laughs> Which, because I imagine the scene where Pennywise comes out of the shower drain... Uh, which is pretty scary, but yeah, I get that. Um, in, in, in mana banana says nightmare on Elm street. I opened my eyes and Freddie's hand shot out of my boyfriend's chest and started repeatedly slicing him. The absolute scariest though was a couple weeks back. First time experiencing sleep paralysis in years. Body completely frozen and my eyes open. It involved a weird stretched out version of Mr. Blobby standing over me and choking me while I try to flail at my boyfriend to try to wake him up, but I can't move. Terrifying, but also hilarious now that it's over. Which, oh my goodness. <laughs> I, uh, oh my goodness. What do you think? Um, yeah, that, I mean, it sounds like you could be best friends with that person thinking yeah. that it's hilarious <laughs> now that it's over. And then, yeah. uh, nameless Legion 87 says Tina in the body bag scared her as a kid as well. Um, and then let's see bumpkin spice one, not a horror movie, but the never ending story gave me terrible nightmares. But the moment in the exorcist, when she does the crab walk thing, night terrors for years. And I would agree with that. Her doing the spider crawl down the stairs and blood shooting out her mouth was damn, uh, damn scary. A lucid jam massacre says not strictly a nightmare, but I was starting to come off antidepressants. I'd had a rough couple of days and I was playing a little AC syndicate to blow off steam scooting about town in a horse drawn carriage had a weird daydream nightmare hallucination that all the windows of one building turned into Tim Curry's face as it with the pointy teeth and everything. I was like 20. It was like 20 of them in a repeating pattern. Didn't turn on my Xbox for a while after that. So this guy had straight a hallucination uh, of it, which is very scary and kind of like going in theme with the actual movie itself. Yeah, that's fucked. Uh, Magic Stoner Bitch says, not really horror, but the Final Destination series has me paranoid about log trucks and such. And I get that. I get that. Yep, absolutely. Um, the opening scene in Ghost Ship, which, holy shit, a Ghost Ship reference. I <laughs> <laughs> First time ever. Yeah, first time on this show. Uh, I was pretty young uh, when I saw it first, and I had this horrible recurring dream that I was the one dancing with my father. I had to check on him in the middle of the night to make sure he was alive for months. That is from Nefarious. Uh, which I, I saw Ghost Ship in the theater, so I, I definitely uh, remember that. Um, Cheetos in Guinness says, After Hereditary, I had vaguely disturbing dreams for a couple of nights. Unsettling imagery, almost like an art student's horror film. A crucifix on a ceiling fan, coming detached and hanging upside down. No monsters or anything, just a strong negative feeling. Which, I still close every door and closet door after watching Hereditary when I go to sleep. I, there's, I don't chance it. <laughs> I don't chance it at all. Yeah. Um... Sophia Cat says the blob from 1988. Uh, she was afraid to fall asleep for many nights because she thought uh, the ceiling would fall on her and kill her. 
the Crow Show, Adrian, our friend uh, on the Crow Show on on Twitch and at Fantastic Fest says the witch gave me nightmares for at least a week. I kept dreaming that I was stranded alone in the woods. I'd wake up in the middle of the night in pitch black darkness. I low key enjoy nightmares, so I had a blast. So go go check out the Crow Show on Twitch. Um, let's see, whatever. There, there's, there's many more. Uh, I, Prince of Shadows 21 says, I ended up watching Jeepers Creepers 2 and Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the 2003 version, back to pack at a young age. That messed me up bad for a while, which I look back on that now and I'm like, really? I guess this person was very young. So, uh, those didn't have the effects. I guess I was older when those came out, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Ashes 88, uh, Candyman terrified me as a child too. I rarely got up to use the bathroom if I woke up in the dead of night, which yeah. I would, I would, I would, I would agree. Um, yeah, there. Go, going off of that, <clears throat> look who's talking. Uh, maybe it's the second one. Uh, gave me nightmares when the toilet, like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wants to bite off your dick. Mel Brooks so. did that? That was Mel Brooks's voice. Yeah. Give me that, yeah. pee-pee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so bizarre that that was in a, a kid's family movie. Oh, uh, it's so funny. Oh, that's that's good. That's funny. Um, let's see. Spooky Goral said the shark from Jaws and also those creepy puppets from the Puppet Master series. Um, the White Cat 55 poltergeist uh, with the clown in the tree and the guy ripping his face off. And Recycling Monster has a good one. Uh, he saw Gerald's game the other week for the first time and the Moonlight Man gave him nightmares for twenty as a 24-year-old... Oh, it's a girl. 24-year-old woman. So the Moonlight Man from Gerald's game gave 24-year-old woman nightmares, which I... I guess so. I mean, that was a kind of a creepy character, don't you think? Yeah, I um, honestly that part of the movie wasn't my favorite because it felt like two movies happening at the same time. But um, he was a creepy presence for sure. Like he had like that uh, crooked man kind of look from the Conjuring Two. So uh, yeah, it's very disturbing. So I can I can totally understand that. And uh, I'm going to read one more. However, there are several more answers on Reddit if you go to Reddit and go to the horror subreddit and you'll find the question. But uh, And we'll, we'll link it in our, our episode. But uh, Squatland Yard uh, has a pretty interesting answer. Uh, says, I saw Scream when I was like 11. That scared me. Also, for some reason, What Lies Beneath scared me when I was like 13 or 14. Haven't rewatched it, but it is probably shit. Scream, on the other hand, although doesn't scare me, is still great. So, and I would say What Lies Beneath was pretty damn effective. And I think still to this day. And I don't think that's a shit movie. So, Mm -mm. not at all. We reviewed it. Yes, we did. Uh, and I, I mean, I like Scream. I don't think there was anything really scary about Scream. Um, I guess with the, the other, this the fact of like people you go to school with trying to kill you, but um, yeah, I mean, the opening is pretty terrifying. That's the most yeah, terrifying. Part correct. Of yeah, that is a scary, scary moment. But yeah, uh, yeah. Thank you to everybody who contributed to um, 
the bloody question on my bloody podcast. We love that you do. We'll keep asking these questions. They're a lot of fun. Uh, but yeah, some good stuff. But I think on to uh, bloody recommendations this week. Preston, do you want to go first? Sure. All right, so my pick for this week also came out, uh, or is coming out next week, from uh, Shout Factory and IFC Midnight, and it is The Clove Hitch Killer. And uh, this one has Dylan McDermott in it. How has this person made it twice he's, on the show today? Yeah, he's like the It Follows character. just won't stop coming. Um, <laughs> it also has uh, Charlie Plummer in it. Uh, and he uh, was in Lean on Pete and uh, All the Money in the World. Uh, I really like that kid. He's a very good actor. Um, and he's great in this movie. And it also has Samantha Math- Mathis in it. So it's got people who are, have been in horror films before. And um, so this one, uh, I was really interested to check it out or really wanted to check it out because uh, the title alone had me hooked. But it's also a very different kind of uh, serial killer movie in that um, – and I'm going to be very careful not to like spoil anything here – but. Uh, so it involves a killer who's been terrorizing this town that's killed like 13 girls um, or 13 people and uh, stopped. Just stopped killing. Like 10 years go by, nothing. Um, so that's – it's kind of dealing with, you know, uh, like going off of the Zodiac or something like that or just how a any other movie you would be dealing with those 13 kills, but this one's dealing with the aftermath and just kind of dealing with, uh, the anxiety of like, or paranoia of like, man, the killer is still at large possibly and could just come back at any moment. Kind of like, I don't know, Batman and the dark Knight rises can come back. Um, so, uh, this one, uh, after, uh, 10 years go by this young kid in high school, uh, starts to become very fascinated with the killer. Um, and then he starts to believe after he befriends somebody that it may be his own dad. And so um, it's kind of has like that it kind of quality to it where it's like, you know, kids on bicycles or um, trying to uh, figure out what's going on and uh, collecting evidence, uh, summer of 84, that kind of feel too. So, um, it has that and it's got really good drama in it and like the directions that it goes in, it plays with different character perspectives. So you get the kid's perspective, you get the dad's perspective, you get, um, all different. There's like a, there's like three of them and I don't want to spoil one of them, but, um, just the fact that it just kind of plays around with, uh, perception is, or, or perspective is really interesting and fascinating. And on top of that, it also happens to have some like kind of terrifying moments. But uh, above all, it's it's more it's more like a just intense drama. And so uh, I really liked it. I liked it a lot. Um, I like the way that it ends and um, it wraps up very well. And so it's just really entertaining and just kind of went above my expectations. And so really enjoyed it. So it came out last year last year but charlie Plummer looks kind of young in it so i wonder if it was made a couple of years ago and is just now finally coming out but 
anyway, uh, it's a really good watch, really good sits, uh, the Clove Hitch Killer. So if you haven't seen it, uh, it's coming out next week through Shout Factory and uh, IFC Midnight, and it's it's uh, pretty damn good. So check that out, Clove Hitch Killer. Sweet. I will definitely have to check that out. Yeah, no, I, I, the Clovich killer, it's good stuff. Uh, I guess I guess it's my turn to do a bloody question, or not bloody question, we already did bloody question, bloody recommendation. Uh, are you curious this week, Preston, on my bloody recommendation? Hell no, your picks are always shit. Yeah, no. they are, yeah. aren't they? They're, they're, they're terrible. <laughs> I never watched a single one of the movies you've written. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm very curious to know what you picked. All right, uh, my bloody recommendation this week goes in line with our main event, our feature presentation, The Craft. The uh, Vavitch. The Vavitch. No, 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 that would be too easy. No, this movie is from 1970, a horror film called Cry of the Banshee. Have you heard of this? I have heard of it. I have not seen it. Okay, The Cry of the Banshee. It's a 1970 horror film directed by Gordon Hessler. Um, and it stars Vincent Price, and he is—he is the bad guy in this movie. He's an evil witch hunter, and uh, the film kind of revolves around him in like this Elizabethan uh, English town. Uh, and Vincent Price plays a guy named Lord Edward Whitman, who has a family, he has two sons, and there's just, he, Lord Edward Whitman, Vincent Price, is just, he's the fucking guy you call if there are witches around, and he will take care of them. By take care of them, I mean he will kill them. So, after like a few teenagers and kids are brought in for thinking they're witches or werewolves or whatever, fucking kills them. And then all of a sudden, things happen in the town, and uh, Lord Edward Whitman and his two sons go on a spree into the woods to find a coven of witches. They find some, and they kill them, where he tells some of the ones that they find to, like, ne- pack up and never come back. Kind of like Lion King. Never come back, or we'll kill you. Uh, which one of the witches named Una, Una, uh, devises a revenge plot to kill Whitman and uh, his whole entire family. So it's actually pretty cool. It's pretty violent, and uh, it's, yeah, uh, Vincent Price, kind of a bad guy here. He's kind of a dick. Uh, and it's actually really cool. And interestingly enough, this movie, the the credit sequence at the beginning uh, is animated, and it was done by Terry Gilliam, which is actually pretty cool. But I think, you know, in all of the tales of, um, you know, witchcraft and witches, you on, you mostly see, like, witches being on trial, and did they do it, did they not do it? But not this movie. This movie was, like, straight up, like, we got, like, a pack of bounty hunters led by Vincent Price going to kill witches in the forest, which is... Something you don't really see a whole lot nowadays, which I kind of want to see a, a revamped version of this to this day because it would kind of be cool to see like, oh shit, there's some people killing witches. I guess we kind of got that in that awful... Shitty last witch hunter? Yeah, the Vin Diesel Elijah Wood movie. <laughs> yeah. Which was so bad, but I think if they do it really well, like in like a Vavitch sort of era... 
uh, I think that could be like super cool because like even in the Vivitch, which we love, it is kind of like happening to a family. But to have like a pack of bounty hunters or something like that go kill them and then some of them survive and then wreak havoc elsewhere, that yes. would be super cool. Do it like Jaws. Like they're going to, you know, hunt the shark, just make it a witch. Yeah, just like, <laughs> just like the Jaws of witches. Uh, dude. This is a good goddamn idea, Preston. Why are we not in Hollywood writing scripts right now? I don't Which get Jaws? it. Which Jaws? <laughs> is it the... Oh, that's so good. That's a, that's a great idea. Just take the same thing. Yeah. Oh, oh. We're going to need a bigger bow. <laughs> we're going to need a bigger archer. I don't know. Um, but this movie's kind of hard to find right now. Uh, I don't think it's ever been released on Blu-ray. It was released on Laserdisc and some forms of DVD, but... Uh, I think this is like a perfect example of something Scream Factory or Arrow Video or uh, Scorpion or Blue Underground should release. Uh, Hell, I even think like Criterion should release something like this because it just sounds pretty... I mean, it, it, it seems to be like a perfect film for that. And even like the poster of the movie, if you've never seen the poster of the movie, it's like super crazy scary looking poster so um yeah is it not like in one of the scream factory vincent price collections not that i remember uh no because i've had like two or three collections of those and i don't remember night of the banshee being in any of them so yeah. uh um, there's like four of them so i didn't know i haven't looked up to see what's all in it right uh hmm. it's pretty cool um but yeah this is a definitely check this movie out if you can find it somewhere cry of the banshee I remember seeing this a while ago and uh it's just it's a cool movie if you're into witches and seeing vincent price be kind of like a prick and uh and kill witches so it's, it's pretty cool but yeah cry of the banshee check that out uh bloody recommendations if you have any bloody recommendations please email us at mybloodypodcast at gmail.com we would love to hear from you and uh, or I should also mention we're on Instagram now. Oh I, my uh, lord! Yeah, started our at my bloody podcast. So uh, we don't have any content up there yet because we're waiting until we get uh, you know some graphics and a uh, new channel going. But uh, I will be running that. So if you want to give us a follow, you can go over to my bloody podcast and got any cool recommendations for us? Uh, tag us in it. Tag us in your uh, movie post, and then uh, we'll uh, mention it on the show and give it a shot. Very cool, yeah. We're, we we on them internets and social medias now. We can get legit. So, uh, is it is it feature presentation time? Is it main event time? Yes, let's uh, break out the the book of the devil and light some candles and. Get 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 into the craft. Get, get our pet snake and yeah. Yeah, let's do this. So the craft came out in 1996, mid 90s. So it has that grunge, funny, heavy rock soundtrack directed by Andrew Fleming, um, who uh, did uh, Hamlet two, if you remember that, and Dick, the movie Dick with uh, Kirsten, not Kirsten Dunst. I'm sorry. Yeah, Kirsten Dunst. I'm Michelle Williams. But before that, he did The Craft, 
And uh, yeah, this movie stars Feruza Balk, who has played witches in other movies, Robin Tooney from Empire Records, Neve Campbell from Scream, and Rachel True, who you would know as Dave Chappelle's girlfriend in Half Baked, along with great funny cameos from Skeet Ulrich from Scream and a very young Brecken Meyer. Uh, but this movie, I is. When it came out, I don't think a lot of people liked it, but it's got it gained a cult following. And so the movie follows uh, this teenage girl who moves from San Francisco to Los Angeles in her high school years because her parents moved there. And she, you could see kind of, she's kind of like an outcast. She has like maybe a little power here and there. She goes to school, and then these girls, her classmates, Feruza Balk, Robin Tooney, and Nev Campbell, uh, not Robin, not Robin Tooney. Robin Tooney is the girl who moves, but Feruza, Nev, and Rachel befriend her, and they're all part of this. They they consider themselves witches, and they become friends. But then they get their powers, and then it turns into like Mean Girls, kind of where they all kind of turn on Robin Tooney's character. Um, and I think the over, the underlying theme here is adolescence, as they talk about in the special features of this movie of people going through teenage angst all coming to the form of witchcraft here. And I think one of the most interesting things about this movie is that it's rated R, but when you watch it, you're like, how is that rated R? This should have been rated PG or PG-13, but it was rated R because people back then thought this movie had like elements of the devil and devil worship, which is not really true. Um, it's I think they just was like, oh, this is a big thing. We have to label it R, but there's really no gore or heavy violence per se here. But uh, Preston, I know you love this film, and I think this film still holds up after all these years because the performances are good, the acting's good, and kind of like the story is pretty cool still, uh, given it's kind of a high school um, drama per se. What do you think? Yeah, I uh, watched it again. I think it's probably been about 10 years since I've seen it, but I've, as I mentioned earlier, I, I've watched it a lot when I was much younger. Um, yeah, it still does hold up uh, pretty well. Um, I don't think it has that lasting sting or impression as Scream does. Uh, and Scream came out like December of 96, and this one came out in May of 96. Because I was... I was thinking about, I was like, I forgot that Ski Ulrich was in the film and, you know, Nef, I remember Nev Campbell, but, um, I, I was like, whoa, uh, like what came first? And so, but yeah, craft came first. Um, <clears throat> yeah, the, some of the effects don't hold up as well, but the way that they're done, it's still pretty effective. Um, there's like moments, um, I've watched uh, the making of it and some of the extras and the interviews that are on the Scream Factory release that's coming out next week. And there's like interviews with Andrew Fleming, uh, one of the producers, uh, one of the visual effects guys. And uh, sadly, none with the, the actresses. I really would have liked an interview with Feruza just because uh, a couple of years ago at Fantastic Fest, she was in this uh, great documentary. I don't know how valid it was as a documentary, but it was certainly entertaining uh, called Lost Souls. That was about uh, the island of Dr. Moreau that Feruza was in. And so she's always kind of played that kind of dark 
uh, character and uh, she's the best part of the the whole movie because she just really hams it up to the sky, especially in one scene in particular where uh, uh, somebody is killed and thrown out of a window. And uh, I think it's that one. Does she go? She goes crazy during that moment, but there's another scene or maybe it's the same one. I'm getting confused just because she's so good uh, where she goes, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And she just freaks out. Um, so, uh, yeah, she's really good. So, yeah, the performances are really good. There's still some great imagery. Um, the one that's uh, stuck with me the most over the years is Nev Campbell's character. Uh, she's a burn victim. And so she has uh, burn scars all over her back. Yeah, and she and, get, basically gets a it's not a tattoo but like it's like yeah it's needle. a needle poking her in the, and that made me fear getting a tattoo because it th- that's what it looks like but it's just poking her and then she just has this most horrifying scream and that that scarred me too um so and then uh there's there's a scene where um um oh, what's what's her name the one from half-baked Oh, um, that is, Rachel? Uh, yeah, Rachel, Rachel True, yes. Yeah, um, so she's diving off of a, a diving board for her swim class, or diving class, and uh, Ben Stiller's ex-wife? No, no, his, from, not ex-wife, but his, his still wife, right? They haven't gotten divorced, no, right? No, no, they, they got divorced in 2017. Oh, I did not know that. So yeah, Christine Day- Taylor from Hey Dude and Zoolander. She's yeah, a wedding singer. And yeah, a uh, Brady Bunch. Yeah, she uh, she's like uh, the racist bully of the film, um, and uh, she's constantly giving uh, Rachel's character a hard time, and so she's going to dive off this diving board, and then you know says stuff, and it causes her to mess up. So doing anything that she can to screw with her head, and so uh, you get a chance all throughout the film to kind of understand why each person wants to have, or at least uh, all of them except Robbie's uh, character, uh, who's just naturally gifted with uh, witchcraft that she just has these abilities and the rest of them are kind of like leeches uh, uh, trying to soak up her powers. And so, but you get an understanding of why each person wants to have these powers. Um, uh, Faruza's character has a terrible home life. Uh, her dad's very—you get a hint of like what what the the lifestyle is like there, where he might be abusive, sexually abusive, and uh, they don't have a whole lot of money. And so um, there's that. And then, as I mentioned, with Nev Campbell's character being a burn victim, she wants to make her skin beautiful again, so where she feels confident to wear clothes other than just a jacket that's covering herself up. And then uh, Rachel's character wanting to kind of get revenge on this woman and wanting to be seen as an equal. So all these backstories to each of them are really fascinating, and that's what makes this movie great uh, compared to just being a witch movie that has no value or substance to it. And... So, uh, yeah, we just really enjoyed that that aspect of the film, that it just took its time to kind of uh, build up the characters, give you uh, give them motivations and give you an understanding as to why 
they want these powers. And so when they get the powers and the, how they handle some of the special effects uh, looks really good. Like just from like a visual level, like how maybe they do some of the effects are dated, but uh, the fact that they're, you know, putting sharks on the beaches, dead sharks, because that's part of the curse is that, Right, which is um, which is a c- cool like scene to watch because it's just like a beach laid out with like hammerheads and all different types of sharks. It was like kind of cool to see. Yeah, it, uh, a lot of this stuff uh, from what I learned from watching the special features is uh, taken from the director's own uh, experiences. Like he he went to a, a beach where he saw an image like that that was so frightening. He put it in the movie. Um, same thing with some of the character, uh, or characteristics. Um, so like the burn victim, uh, he knew somebody who, uh, experienced something like that and understood like how, how they felt. And so brought that into the story, knew somebody like Feruza's character. So just like all these different elements. So that that's why the movie's so good is because it feels very personal and, uh, relatable in, in that regard. And so, um, yeah, um, as I was saying with like the images, there's a really good one with with uh, Fruz's character walking on the water, and so th- there's just really good stuff there. Uh, more than just the drama, the um, some of the images that they have, especially by the end of the film when it comes like a fight to the death kind of thing. And uh, if you watch the special features. Um, you get to see like how they were able to accomplish some of those things. There's like one scene where uh, two of the girls are fighting and then it shows them hitting the wall as if they're like floating on the wall. And so they did an inception type thing where they built the set on its side. So they were able to achieve that sort of look. So they did a lot of cool things practically when it comes to the famous levitation scene. Cause I, remember very vividly working with uh being with friends and hanging out and trying to do that light as a board uh, or stiff as a board light as a feather yeah type thing and that that also was taken from some of the stuff that the director noticed in his uh youth and so uh i yeah so apparently the movie still has cultural significance because i went to urban outfitters a few days ago and they had a craft tv shirt t a uh, craft t-shirt Oh, and look so, at that! Yeah, so they have they have stuff like that. It's not it's more than just a, a hot topic kind of movie. Um, uh, I think it still has significance because you know they're still trying to make a TV show or a movie out of it. Right. So uh, there's that to look forward. So yeah, it's uh, still very solid, and uh, recommend getting this uh, Scream Factory edition because. Uh, as much as I do wish that there were some interviews with the actresses to kind of, because uh, uh, one of the things that you learn, um, not not on the disc itself, but a lot of the stories that I've heard is that because they were doing all these enchantments and spells and uh, calls to uh, earth, wind, water, and fire, all the different elements of the world, <clears throat> that some spooky stuff happened on set. And I was hoping that they would have gone more into that because that's super fascinating to me you know when you hear you know movies like the exorcist where like devil demonic shit was happening on set 
And so uh, one of the scenes in particular where something kind of crazy happened is when they're on the beach in the movie and they're, uh, uh, you know, calling to higher powers, which in the film is called Manon, which is fictional. Like um, that, that was like one of their safe ways to get around it because they, uh, from what I understand, Andrew Fleming uh, hired somebody who was very familiar with uh, uh, witchcraft so they could do it properly and be authentic about it instead of just being kind of like a goofy teen witch uh, hocus pocus style kind of thing. And that's probably what uh, steered the MPA uh, making the movie rated R, even though it's, you know, you watch it now and it's just like, why? Uh, I think there was like one F bomb in it. And then even the writer and director, they said that, if I had known that it was just inevitable that it was going to be rated R, I would have wrote some darker stuff in it. Right. Um, but yeah, on the beach, um, so they're doing all these calls and uh, the, sh- the shore, like the, the water uh, started coming up all the way up to the set. And I was like 80 feet or something like that. And so, and then like the weather would change constantly. And so when it finally came to like Feruza, like, uh, calling to Manon and asking them to fill her with powers. Um, uh, like all the lights went off and the set, all the candles. And so uh, uh, allegedly, um, but nobody quite went into all that. And so I, I, I'm slightly disappointed about, about that, but it's still fascinating to uh, learn about the, how they changed the story over time, how the director brought himself into it. And, um, the, the how they created the characters and all that and so still very good um and i love the cover art for it and um it's a very good buy so yeah if you haven't watched the craft in a while uh pick up this scream factory edition on shoutfactory.com slash shop and uh have a heyday watching the extras and educating yourself on the craft yeah no it's a uh, super still super cool movie still to this day and uh since scream factory re-released it with new artwork and everything like that and a bunch of really cool extras mostly being interviews with the crew and like preston said it's unfortunate that none of the actors or actresses came back for this because it'd be cool to hear them talk about it but um yeah the movie just it exudes like i think that um, that kind of what we all went through new kid at school or, you know, having to deal with certain students or types of, uh, kids while going to high school, but add that layer of witchcraft to it. And they just did yeah. it. They did it well. Um, yeah, it's kind of like a teen wolf, you know, teen wolf being more blunt or, or more obvious about, uh, you know, him becoming a werewolf is puberty, but they use like witchcraft to kind of explore, uh, identity and sexuality and, uh, things like that, uh, relationships. And so they it uses its, uh, supernatural elements or horror aspect to kind of illustrate, um, what we all kind of go through when we're teenagers. And so, um, it, it has more of a purpose than just being a movie about witchcraft for the sake of just being about witchcraft. Right. And I have to give kudos to the end of this movie because a lot of these movies, you know, that kind of seem like coming of age or, 
you know, take place in high school. They all kind of have like a feel good ending. And this one really doesn't, uh, because of how it, how they end it with the four main characters. It's kind of like, Oh man, like, you know, you're excited that they ended it that this way, but it, you know, nobody is friends again or anything like that. So I kind of like that aspect again with it. Yeah. Um, from, from what I learned, uh, they, I don't, I can't remember what the original ending of the film was, but they test screened it and they did reshoots. And so they reshot that ending because a lot of people were kind of unclear about certain things that, uh, I'm, I won't spoil, but involves parents and things like that. And like, uh, like what happened to them after that, that big night that they have, <clears throat> And uh, just to kind of, yeah, like you said, it just has a different feel to it than what you may expect. It's not, I wouldn't, it's not really horrible. It's not like bad, but it's like one of the, I mean, uh, like not horrible in that, like, uh, it doesn't end on like a doomed note kind of thing. But it's, it's like somewhere in between being like a feel good, doomed kind of feel. You just feel kind of like, I don't know, like you watch every episode of pete and pete like feel very neutral about it right uh, <laughs> and i, and I so, think it, like in yeah with this with this film i think it ends kind of like kind of how you want it to end but then yeah. again a lot of these movies kind of end like oh yeah everybody's friends again and everything's hunky-dory and that's definitely not the case no like uh you know if you you fuck over a friend you're, you're done for life it's not it's not uh like like Mean Girls, you know, you're out of the picture if you treat treat me like shit. We can't all, you know, shake hands and uh, bygones be bygones. No, that's uh, not not the case here. So, well, yeah, Great. the craft it damn good. Please watch it. It is uh, coming out on Screen Factory very soon, right? Not this week, but the following week. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I was wrong. Yeah, I think it's March twelfth. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's coming out, uh, like I, we said, new artwork, collector's edition, uh, new interviews with the writer, producer, director, and visual effects person, along with some vintage behind the scenes stuff and deleted scenes and whatnot. But yeah, it's a, it's a good movie and we're excited. I mean, interestingly enough, before we end this show, um, very, very recently, they wanted to remake this, and it was met with such harsh uh, talkback. <laughs> like, nobody wanted a reboot. I think people maybe wanted a sequel, but not a reboot of this. I think people just love this movie for some reason, and they don't want to see it, you know, fucked up like they do so often. Yeah, I remember, like, some of the actresses uh, posted about it and said that, you know, this, like, exists existed at a time where it needed to exist and, uh, like, something else uh, could be done. Like, they could go into a different direction. I think that's the biggest complaint, you know, that we, me and Brian have talked about, you know, with the, the Ghostbusters remake that I had a couple of years ago. Um, like, there's just there's just so much room to kind of create different types of stories and doesn't need to go back that uh, back to uh, beloved properties like that. And so <clears throat> I'm kind of glad that it's kind of fallen off. Um, uh, I think it, I don't remember if it was like Amazon or Hulu was going to turn into a series stiff as a board and light as a feather. I think that's what it was supposed to be called or something like that. I can't, but um, 
yeah, I'm glad that they're going to leave it alone, at least for the time being. Um, so, no, oh, yeah, that, yeah, that sounds, sounds cool. So, um, yeah, the craft, my bloody podcast, uh, has come to an end this week, but we will be back next week with all new horror news, questions, recommendations, and a big main event feature presentation. Uh, and then we might even have an interview for next week as well, too. So we're trying to get some stuff scheduled here very soon in the horror realm. Uh, Preston, where can everybody find you and find this podcast? They can find uh, this podcast under Multimedia Men uh, for the time being um, on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and other uh, wherever you listen to your podcast. Um, you, as I mentioned earlier, you can find us now on Instagram under My Bloody Podcast. Uh, I believe it's just uh, I follow you, Brian, even though you don't, you know, you're not active on the social scene anymore. But uh, I, I felt like it was important to at least follow us too. And I think the only followers we have is myself and my wife. So we could use some uh, other followers out there. And I promise you we're going to post some cool content on there. Like I'll still be doing kind of what I do on my own uh, Instagram account, at Preston Barta, B-A-R-T-A, where I'm uh, taking photos of uh, all the physical copies that I get to review and cool ones from my collection that I want to highlight. Um, so, yeah, you can find me there. Uh Writing-wise, you can find my weekly Blu-ray 4K DVD column uh, under Ditton Record Chronicle. So Ditton, D-E-N-T-O-N-R-C.com. Go to entertainment and then go to movies and you can find uh, my theatrical reviews and movie reviews and things of that nature. And then I'm also the features editor of freshfiction.tv where we're posting all kinds of stuff right now. Uh, Courtney Howard, one of our writers, uh, posted her review for climax. So you can find that on there. And, uh, I imagine we'll be reviewing it as you mentioned, Brian earlier, um, for the show either next week or the week after. So pretty soon. I'm yeah. excited to dive into that film. Faux show. Can't wait. Uh, and I am Brian. You can find me at boomstickcomics.com and highdefdigest.com for the time being. Always doing some fun stuff there. Uh, but yeah, we'll be back next week. My bloody podcast style. <laughs>